Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of Gone But Never Forgotten, Pamela Harvey. With me for today's episode is my lovely wife, Julie. Hi, guys. Welcome. Episode one, Pamela Harvey. Let's get down to the business of getting to know Pamela Harvey as best we can, and then get into the details and multitude of questions regarding her disappearance. Pamela Harvey has been missing since November or December, depending how you look at it, of 1978. She was last seen in Sudbury, Ontario. At the time of her disappearance, she was 23 years old. That would make her 66 years old today. Pamela was five foot six and weighed in at 123 pounds. The only distinguishing characteristic listed on her profile was a protruding upper jaw. If you have any information on Pamela Harvey, call Crime Stoppers at 705-222-8477 or the Greater Sudbury Police at 705-675-9171. I was perusing around, looking for the right case for our first episode, when I came across the story of Pamela Harvey. I chose this story for our premiere episode for a few reasons. First, I would be remiss if I didn't admit that there were some similarities in our lives, as I will explain as I go along with the story. But also, I found our story to have quite a few intricate twists and turns that would make for what I hope is a great first episode. First, I just want to state right off the bat Just from reading those quick stats, I can tell you what my first question was when researching this story. How is there not a set date when Pamela went missing? We will get to that later, but there's a little hook for you. Hmm, interesting. Pamela Harvey was born on March 7th, 1955, to her parents Yvonne and Gerald in a small town, McKellar, Ontario, just outside of Perry Sound. Not long after her 18th birthday, however, Pamela decided to take a fresh step in life and she moved across the country to Chilliwack, British Columbia in search of a more free lifestyle and with a fresh sense of adventure. It wasn't very long after Pamela arrived in Chilliwack that she got pregnant and got married. The marriage, however, would not last long and after only four years in British Columbia in 1977, Pamela and her four-year-old son, Ricky, moved back to Ontario. However, Pamela and Ricky would not move back with her parents to the Perry Sound area. Instead, they ended up moving to a small one-bedroom apartment on Lloyd Street in Sudbury, Ontario. Not long after moving to Sudbury, Pamela started to work as a part-time waitress at the Kingsway Hotel, within walking distance of her home. The Kingsway Hotel was a pop-in spot in Sudbury, It was once the place to have a drink and relax with friends. It was also such a place for the Coffin Wheelers, a motorcycle gang within Sudbury. Julie, I'm curious, did you ever have experience growing up near a motorcycle gang or any close contact with a motorcycle gang? So I haven't been like around motorcycle gangs, really. Um, I've been around motorcycles my whole life. Um, so I'm pretty comfortable around motorcycles and bikers, but that's not to say that it's not, um, suspicious or a little bit like sketchy or weird when you do see, um, motorcycle gangs around or hanging out in certain places. Yeah, for me, I mean, I grew up in Oshawa, so I mean, there's lots of sketchy places, (laughs) 
But uh, we lived close to a biker gang um, hub, basically. And I do remember a couple of times babysitting my brothers when I was younger and like having like 50, 60 motorcycles kind of rip down our side street, which was a little disconcerting. So I guess for me, I see a big biker gang and I kind of get a, I get my anxiety raised up a little bit. Oh, definitely. <clears throat> Through Pamela's work at the Kingsway, she met Leonard Dawu, who was a member of the Coffin Wheelers. And at age 23, Pamela and Leonard started dating. This is where our missing persons report crosses path with a murder, and as such, this is where things really start to get interesting. On November 12, 1978, a man named James Dacey was murdered at gunpoint on a hill that was across the street from the Kingsway Hotel. Mm. There are some conflicting reports regarding the murder. Some said that James was a member of a rival biker gang and that the Coffin Wheelers Clubhouse on Mountain Street had been blown up and that James was the guilty party <laughs> in, in the explosion. The explosion took place only five days earlier, November 7th, 1978. The Dacey family, however, denied these facts and stated that James did not belong to a motorcycle gang or even own a motorcycle for that matter. Another story that made the rounds was that James often drank at the same bars as the Coffin Wheelers, and when he ended up in a fight with members of the gang, he fought back and things escalated, which led to his murder. Wow. Not long after the murder, Leonard Dawu and a man named Rene Ranger were arrested for the murder of James Dacey. This is where Pamela comes in. In the four days between the murder of James Dacey and the arrest of Leonard Dawu, Pamela would reportedly leave her four-year-old son with a neighbor, and she disappeared forever. Oh, so sad. This is where that whole November-December thing from earlier comes into play. It doesn't take a genius to realize that if Pamela disappeared within four days of the murder, that's November 16th. However, the problem here is that Pamela was not reported as missing. Or more correctly, she was not even treated as missing. Yeah, that's odd. The police in Sudbury obviously knew of the connection between Pamela and Leonard, and when she could not be located, the police did not take word of her disappearance seriously at all. Instead, they figured that she had gone on the lam to avoid the trial and avoid being part of it in any way, shape, or form, and they simply believed that when the trial was over, Pamela would turn back up. I know you don't take in stuff like this nearly as much as I do, so I want to ask, how does that make you feel to learn that the police found out that a young woman had left her young son behind and disappeared and that they didn't take it seriously at all? Well, personally, I don't think I could ever leave my son for any reason, but at the same time, I don't have a very sketchy life or, or, you know, I don't do suspicious things or hang out in suspicious areas or bad neighborhoods. So I think she must have been in a really bad situation if, if that was the case. But how do you feel about the police not caring about the fact that she was gone and her son was left behind? Yeah, that is a little bit weird. But again, you're hanging out around suspicious people or, you know, things like that in bad neighborhoods then kind of makes sense. Well, for me, this is something that I find increasingly maddening um, as I listen to, read, and watch anything about true crime. Especially during this time, it seems that if you were known to police in some, in some form or another, you were often viewed as a second or even third-class citizen. 
In this case, it's very clear to me that the police dropped the ball in not following up on Pamela's disappearance. The reason that December is listed as the date of her disappearance is that this is essentially when her family realized that Pamela was missing. Pamela and Ricky were supposed to return home for Christmas, and when that didn't happen, that's when her family started to reach out and found out that their daughter had actually been gone for quite some time. That is why the official missing person data was so late compared to the date that Pamela was last seen. To me, this brings up even more questions, and to be honest, personally, it really does bother me. The police, no doubt, must have known that Pamela had left her young son behind when she disappeared. How is that not a red flag? If you have someone that could be a witness or even an accessory to murder, don't you think that you would put some kind of effort into trying to locate her? Like, I don't know, maybe calling her family to find out if they knew where she was? The fact that the family of this young woman was unaware that their daughter was missing and that their grandson was essentially abandoned is unacceptable. Could you imagine finding out over a month later that your family member was gone? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Like, I think after maybe even just a week of no contact, I would be considering the fact that this person is missing. Adding to my disgust in this case is the fact that reportedly the Sudbury police even told the family that they should not get involved with trying to find Pamela. Because of her con her connections to Leonard and the Coffin Wheelers, they believed that either Pamela would just show back up after the heat was off, or that looking for her could in fact be dangerous because she was being kept away by the Wheelers. Hmm. As a part of the investigation and court proceedings, a resident who lived beside the murder said that she saw a getaway vehicle and that they did flee off in the direction of Pamela's home. That's important because also, um, as a witness, a woman named Wendy shared with the court that on the evening of the murder, she had been drinking with Pamela, Leonard, and another friend. Wendy said that she left for a short period of time, and when she came back, the mood had completely changed. Pamela looked to be very nervous and anxious, and would not allow Wendy or her friend to come back inside. Yeah, that's odd. Leonard denied having anything to do with this murder, but in 1979, he was found guilty and served 27 years in prison for the murder of James Daisy. As I have already shown, there were definitely some discrepancies in this case, and we're about to add another. What did happen with Ricky, Pamela's son? Wendy, the woman who was a witness at the trial, told Pamela's parents that Pamela had left Ricky in her care overnight and then didn't return the next day. When she didn't show up the next day, Wendy said that she gave Ricky to the neighbor to watch. However, the man, the neighbor, Milford, told the family that Pamela was in fact the one that organized for him to watch Ricky while she was gone for a couple of weeks. Then, after a while, Milford actually changed his story and said that Pamela had left a note only asking him to watch Ricky and that they had made no personal contact whatsoever. The story changed, a note was never seen by the family, and this raises even more questions. Yeah, that's all pretty suspicious. If there was simply a note from Pamela, how do we even know that the note came from her? That's true. Could someone else have left the note so that Ricky was taken care of? That's a good point. 
Why would Milford change the story, and why didn't it corroborate with the story of Wendy? Yeah. Why would Wendy say that she looked after Ricky for a day if she didn't? Did Wendy know more and write the note because she couldn't watch after Ricky when Pamela didn't come back? So many questions. When Pamela disappeared, uh, one thing that I found of note is she left behind her cigarettes, her purse, and all of her belongings. As a mom, Julie, could you ever imagine a situation even like this one where you would flee and leave your son behind? I don't think so. I honestly, I can't imagine, like, leaving my son in someone else's care and leaving all these un unclosed, like, situations and untied whatever. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why doesn't anything make sense here? If you were going to leave and you had uh, it all planned out, you would make sure that everything was in place so you didn't have to worry about your kid, regardless of why you were leaving. Well, and also, all of that's true, but, like, if you were a smoker, would you leave your cigarettes behind? No, definitely not. Or your not. purse. Yeah, that, definitely not, yeah. Now you can't buy more cigarettes. Yeah, it's true. But it's kind of crazy. You don't yeah. leave the essentials at home. This is a girl who had left Ontario for BC and then left BC to come back to Ontario, so it wasn't her first time, if she left of her own accord, leaving somewhere. Mm-hmm. So she knows how to leave. Yeah, it's true. So why is she leaving her son... And all of her belongings behind. Mm, That's true. I find this case to be very interesting. As someone who was also a dreamer and someone that never made roots anywhere until recently, I could see Pamela realizing that once again she was in a situation that was not ideal and wanting to head off somewhere new and start afresh, like she had done, like I said, when she left to BC and then left back to Ontario. But from everything that I've read about Pamela, I can't reconcile the fact that she left her four-year-old son behind. I know. In a June 8, 2018 interview with the family, Laura Stradlato of the Sudbury Star portrayed just how heartbreaking this situation has been for the family. For over 40 years now, they've been left with no answers. A daughter, a sister, and a mother have been torn away from a family with zero answers and zero closure. When Pamela didn't come home, her parents became parents again, as they took in Ricky. While they tried to move on, they never gave up hope, even hiring a private detective to look into Pamela and her possible whereabouts. When tracking her SIN number, the private investigator tracked it to an address in Thunder Bay, Ontario, And Pamela's sister and father actually drove 17 hours to Thunder Bay, hoping to find some answers. Unfortunately, the woman that answered the door was not Pamela, and said that she didn't know Pamela. Another heartbreak in a line of so many. In 2015, Pamela's father, Gerald, passed away. Sadly, he passed away without any answers that he so badly wanted regarding his daughter. Mm. And unfortunately, of course, as we speak, this case is still unsolved. Pamela Harvey's family, her siblings, parents, and son are all left wondering what happened to Pamela. Did she witness the murder? Was she hidden because she knew too much? Did something much more terrible happen? If you're out there and you know something that can give some closure to the Harvey family, please call Crime Stoppers or call the police and help get this case closed. So much time has passed, and a family deserves to have closure. One way or another, a free spirit, a beautiful young woman, 
a sister, a daughter, a mom, were lost over 40 years ago, and that is so sad. We have put this episode together in hopes that someone out there holds the key to this mystery and is willing to share the answers. We know that someone, somewhere, knows what happened to Pamela. Do the right thing. Finish her story, one way or another, and help a family in need. Do you have anything you want to add? I'll just say that, you know, even though it's been so long, if you know anything, just call Crime Stoppers, call the police, let them know, even if it's the smallest little detail you think doesn't matter, it could be something that opens this case again and leads them in the right direction. You just never know. So whatever you know, just share it. It could be big, could be small, but either way, it might make a difference. Awesome. Thanks, Julie. And thank you guys for tuning in. Um, feel free to reach out for uh, with to us. <laughs> we have a few different ways you can reach us. Um, we have a Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash GBNF podcast. We're on Twitter at GBNF podcast. Or you can email us at GBNF pod at gmail.com. Also, reach out if you have a case that interests you or perhaps that involves someone you know and you would like us to cover. Other than that, all I want to say is thank you so much for tuning in to our first episode, and let's help turn over some rocks together to close this and other cases. Let's help these people become gone and not forgotten.